0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: From all true seekers from across the globe. This is Reverend Karen L. Heathley from the Spiritual Path Church of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, in the United States. Our true seeker show covers a variety of subjects, from angels to afterlife communication, to parapsychology, to spiritualism, to near death experiences, meditation, and a number of other true seeking topics. We are happy you have chosen to join us for this episode. And hope you find it informative and enjoyable. Now, I want to give you a few brief things to do before we start. After our chat tonight with Carolyn, we will be taking calls. Here is our number to call in on. Now get a piece of paper and a pencil, because I know you'll want to call in and ask this wonderful guest some questions. Here's the number, 657-383-0416. Let me give you the number again, 657-383-0416. We also have a chat room open. So let's get on with the show. And I'm going to bring Carolyn on. She is definitely a lady that has many, many hats in her uh, path and journey. So let's get her on so we can talk to her. Hello, Caroline. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. How are you? I'm fine. We're so happy. All the truth seekers around the globe are so happy that you have come to join with us tonight and share your stories of life, love, whatever. So I was I was looking at your bio and you certainly are a woman of many hats. Um I saw where you were a practicing Reiki master, psychic medium, and many other things. So I want to know how you got into uh, psychic medium, Reiki, all the other things that, you know, a lot of people don't get into this, that kind, those kind of things uh, as readily. But you seem to be inquisitive and somebody that loves life to the fullest and just jumps in. Well, I would say that inquisitive is
0: definitely true. I'm a very, by nature, very curious person. And I think also I would just feel proddings at different times. And as I look back now on my life, I can see that even as a kid, I was always fascinated by spiritual things and uh, when I was a really little kid, weirdly enough, I wanted to be a missionary <laughs> and i don 't know if you remember Albert Schweitzer, but he I was do. a okay, he was a missionary who went to Africa, but he also played the organ and he built i believe an organ and he used to do recordings and things like that and when I was a very little kid, maybe seven eight nine Um, He was somebody that I kind of wanted to be. I was already uh, on a track to be a musician because my mother's a music teacher. And from my youngest years, I had always played the piano. And I, from very young, I knew that I wanted to be a musician. But there was this other kind of simultaneous track running along Of kind of interest in spirituality and stuff like that and um, later on in life as a younger adult I went to a music conservatory I explored that whole thing I played uh, percussion actually in a symphony I went overseas and lived over there for a while and I did kind of that life and then later, after my daughter was born, I got into playing the jazz piano, and that kind of became my main focus. And uh, on the wings of that, I moved to Boston area where I live now, and I spent many years being a jazz pianist, performing in the local venues and so forth, and also Uh, teaching at berkeley college of music and um about maybe but at the same time i always retained this interest in the spiritual and about i guess maybe 1996 i got interested in reiki i had a friend who was a reiki healer and i thought it was pretty cool and i thought wow gee wouldn't it be fun if i could heal people like that. And so I started to learn Reiki. And that same year, I also uh, began to explore uh, my roots more as a kind of an African roots, because Mm -hmm. I am African American. Mm -hmm. So I got into this uh, African spirituality, and that led me down the path of uh, becoming initiated into um, Yemaya, who is the Yoruba Uh, goddess of the sea and she's also the goddess of motherhood she's very much the classical uh, divine feminine mother archetype she's connected to the ocean to healing and all that and that felt very much like me Um, so as I got deeper and deeper into those things I still continued the music and I still continued teaching but there was also this sideline of that as well.
1: So that's kind of how it started off. Um, I guess I'm, I'm sitting and thinking about what I want to ask you about the uh, um, getting into the, it's the, um, uh, the Yama. Did I say that right? Did you have to take classes for that? Or uh-huh. or how did that come oh, about? Oh, the Yama Yama? Yeah. Oh well
0: Sorry, that need... is uh, that is through a much more traditional pathway. So it's a path of initiation. You go mm-hmm. and you um affiliate yourself with a group of people and I went and basically it's it's not as formal as classes per se, but okay. you go and you spend time and you have someone who's kind of the head of the group and They begin teaching you things, but also you receive it through an initiation. It's a very, you know, um, I I was one year in white clothes and all kinds of restrictions and different things. And there were ceremonies performed. And, you know, it's a much more kind of in that kind of traditional
1: pathway because it's an African religion. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I find that fascinating, just fascinating, because I don't know much about that. So I'm glad you explained that to our listeners. Thank you. Um, and yes, music, of uh, course. Yes, and I, I guess I'll ask you, since you're a medium a as well, do you does the music vibrate with you, um, like when you get things from the spirit world? You know, some people music does vibrate with them when they're getting messages or they connect a little bit. With things that they have. Yes. Like in their memory bags, you know what I'm saying, from the spirit world. So I I wonder if music. Do do you? Can you explain that a little bit?
0: Yes. Yes. I think, honestly, I think that being a musician, and particularly being um, a jazz musician, which is a form of music in which you have to allow yourself to kind of be open. It's not all completely planned out, right? You have to be open and receptive to impulse and to – I think it's excellent training for mediumship because, in the end, it's that same kind of surrender that is required. You can't be a good medium if you get up there and you have a preset of how it's going to come out and what you're going to say (laughs) – You Mm -hmm. can't do that, right? You have to be open and allow yourself to receive the Mm -hmm. impressions that spirit brings. And to be a good musician, particularly in an improvised music area such as jazz, uh, it's the same. So although I didn't really begin seriously studying mediumship until about maybe it's been about I guess it's been six years, maybe even seven years. I want to say maybe 2012, 2013, something like that. Uh, I started to take classes with James Van Prague and so forth. But um, what I'm saying is that my training as a musician, I believe, helped me to learn uh, that surrender that was going to of course as a medium an even deeper level of surrender in order to really be a good medium, you know.
1: Yeah, because that's a that's a problem for some uh up um people that are just starting mediumships. They don't surrender enough and they say, Is that me or is that the spirit world? So you have to have a lot of trust when you're looking mm-hmm. at the spirit world. You know, knowing that that's they right. know what they're doing. Which they do. Um so yes. I Don't you feel when you you play that it takes you into a a higher vibration? Yes, ma'am. And Mm -hmm.
0: actually, it's interesting that you should mention that. And I know that you as a medium will understand, but I'm currently taking a trance class uh, with Tony Stockwell. And the whole point, the whole, my whole kind of motivation is that I want to be able to get to the point where I can go very deeply into Mm -hmm. that surrendered, trancey place and then play music and have spirit come and really uh, play through me. Now, I feel that they already do that to some degree. I think any musician, if you're any good, Uh, The spirit is helping you and they're coming through, but I would like to be able to be even more conscious of the process and to be able to um, really uh, connect at a deeper level and bring through uh, a deeper spirit connection. So I'm working on that right now, and that does, uh, to your point, um, you definitely have to be in a higher vibration in order to have that
1: happen. And also you have to have a lot of trust because you're going to step aside and let the spirit, the spirit person come through. And a lot of people don't want That's to give you right. control. Yes. Yes.
0: And it's challenging. And especially it when it's you're on an instrument, you're trying to play an instrument, and it's an instrument you've trained your whole life to play. But part of that playing involves a certain level of control. And so it's a it's a challenging thing, but I do feel that uh, m- music and mediumship that for me there is a certain very common areas between them that I think they're
1: they're very similar in certain ways. I agree because I love music and it always puts me in a higher vibrational level when I listen. To yes, it. I, I, that, it does for yes. me anyway, personally.
0: Yes, I agree, I agree,
1: and I applaud you for doing that That trance because that's not an easy thing it's not no no it's not
0: it's not And as you say it's about learning to really get out of the way and uh allow the spirit to come and and that's a, a that's a something to, to that it's a work in progress I'm certainly mm-hmm. not. I wouldn't dream of saying, Oh, I've got that down. I, no, I know it's an, I'm working, I'm working on it, you know. It's but it's but it's um, I think it's a wonderful thing. And even when you can't do it perfectly or even close to perfectly, there are moments, right? There are just yeah. moments where you can feel that there's a connection and that yes. you've made a connection and that spirit has moved through you and touched somebody by what mm-hmm. you've said or what you've messaged that you've brought. And uh, of course, that's the
1: joy of, of mediumship. There's nothing like it. You no, know, I always think of it as um, you are really on a high with it. You know, you don't need any yeah. uh, alternative. You're just on a highway, you know, I think yes. so. Anyway, yes. that's my own personal. I agree. In depth. I agree yeah. with you. Yes. Yep, it's it's a wonderful, magical thing. It is, and you know what? I, it's nice that um that you have dedicated your life to working with the spirit world because you know, it. I don't know if you know this, but you know they they look for certain people that that they want to work with them. So it's quite an honor when they pick you to work and with them. I
0: feel that. I feel blessed, and as I look back over my life, I can see that many of the lessons that I learned uh, when I had no idea that this would be something that I would do or even could do, that I was, in fact, preparing to be able to do some
1: of the things that I can do now, you know? Mm-hmm. And you say, wow, I, I didn't even realize I was going to get into that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's it. Yes,
0: for sure. That's how it
1: happens.
0: For sure. So um, yeah.
1: let's talk about your new book, shall we?
0: Oh, let's do. Let's by talk about all it. all
1: means. Okay. Yes.
0: So my new book, I yes. have written several books. And I, I started writing books in about, I want to say maybe the the first book that I wrote might have been 2005 or um, something like that, maybe 2006 or something. I wrote a textbook um, because, as I mentioned, I, for, for many years I was a full-time professor at Berkeley mm-hmm. College of Music, and Berkeley had a publishing uh, arm at a publishing house connected to Hal Leonard, which is a big music publisher. And they asked me if I would write a book uh, about singing, uh, and particularly for singers, how to work with a band, how to rehearse a band, how to prepare music to, to do that kind of thing. And uh, because this is what I had taught for many years, So that was my first book. It's called Tips for Singers. And interestingly, as I was writing the book, I found that I was really enjoying the process. I hadn't thought that I would. I thought that it would be kind of a chore, to be honest, a chore, but that I would do because, you know, they asked me to do it. And plus, there would be royalties and everything, right? But I actually got into it, and I really enjoyed it. And so after that, I then wrote uh, two memoirs, the first one called Damn Near White, uh, about my grandfather, who was the first African-American uh, assistant secretary of labor in, uh, under President Eisenhower in 1954, um, okay. and I wrote about him. And uh, then the second book I wrote about uh, my mother's side of the family, and and they were all musicians and singers, and so I wrote about that. That book was called They Raised (laughs) Me Up. And then I decided that what I wanted to do next was to write murder mysteries. So I wrote two murder mysteries uh, set on the south side of Chicago, uh, the first one was called "Melody for Murder," and it's uh, about a school teacher, surprise, surprise. and one of her students one of her students gets in a little bit of trouble and before she knows it, uh, she is uh, being suspected of murder and she gets involved in a murder investigation uh, to help her student and um, yeah, so, There are two books in that series. There's Melody for Murder, and then the second one was called Mojo for Murder, about a phony psychic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And those Uh. were both set on the south side of Chicago. Now, after doing all that, I decided that what I wanted to write about was a historic period in history that has always fascinated me, and that was the 1920s. And yeah, that's uh-huh. I had been yeah it's an interesting period in in time right and yes. I had um been doing some research about my uh my family, and I discovered that I had relatives on both sides of the family who had lived in uh southern Indiana in the 1920s and I thought well isn't this interesting who are these people and so I began reading about southern Indiana specifically Evansville which is right down on the border with Kentucky Uh, it's right on the Ohio River and then I began doing more and more research I found out more and more about this place more about the time about the people And I thought, shoot, I want to write a book about this. This would be like an awesome murder mystery. And, of course, as you know, the 1920s was also a time when spiritualism was very popular. There were a lot of spiritualists, both real ones and phony ones, pretending Mm -hmm. to be. Um, And at the same time, you had a period when alcohol was made illegal, uh, which mm-hmm. was called prohibition. prohibition. And therefore mm-hmm. you had rampant law breaking because people did not want to stop drinking, but drinking was illegal. So you had these people called bootleggers who were making phony, illegal liquor, and that brought about gangsters. Uh, and and yeah. so is just a very ripe, Period. Not to mention that for African Americans, it was also a major period of racial uh, repression. The Ku Klux Klan, which is a very racist organization uh, that sadly still exists today, uh, was huge in Indiana. It was, uh, Indiana had one of the largest chapters in the entire country. I didn't really that. And realize there were politicians. In Yes, you wouldn't have thought so.
1: No, right? I wouldn't really, really no, think
0: no. and they were so powerful that they elected officials, elected officials, the governor, several mayors, you know, it was a it was a big thing and they would have these rallies and cross burnings and so forth. And so all of that was going on in southern Indiana as my relatives on both sides of the family were living there. And I thought, isn't this interesting? So I thought, well, I would like to make up a story uh, that sort of, because I couldn't really get to the truth of what really happened to a lot of these people. Um, So I decided I would just make something up. (laughs) So, It's a story, the book is called Death at a Seance, and it is a story about a young uh, African-American girl. She's 16, uh, and she ends up working for a a very uh, quirky spiritualist. She's working as a maid, uh, but it turns out that she is psychic. She's just beginning to discover her psychic gifts. And she inadvertently predicts uh, a murder. And when the murder actually happens, of course, she then becomes the target of a lot of suspicion. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of an adventure story. There are crooked psychics. There are honest psychics. There's the story of psychic development. But there's also this underline of just the society as a whole—the bootleggers, the thugs, the clan—but uh, also um, a lot of uh, love, uh, her love life, because she's 16; she's got to have love life, right? So yeah, yeah. so that right. kind They're of right. you know that's the best, That's kind of the stew. It's it's a rich stew with a lot of ingredients and um yeah so it's called death at a seance and if your listeners are interested it's available on amazon.com you can go and if you type in death at a seance and my name carolyn wilkins the book will pop up you can get it in kindle i think for probably about four dollars or five dollars or something and then the hardcover or the paperback book is uh, maybe a little bit
1: more. So, yeah, that's my new book. That's the story. It sounds interesting. And what I like, you intertwined things that were really going on in history at that time, too. Yes. There are a I lot like of uh, things.
0: Yes, of course. Because if you like history, uh, there's real history entwined in with the fictional characters and although I kind of changed uh, some of the names and things like mm-hmm. that, uh, mm-hmm. it's based on a lot, not completely, of course, but, but there are definitely real events that really took place that are, that are part of the story.
1: That's, that's wonderful. And I, and I did get a copy of it on Kindle, by the way. So I have it.
0: Oh, so. lovely. Lovely. Yeah. So I'm so, um, asking people, if if you want to, once you've got your copy, uh, to go ahead and put yourself on Facebook, holding, holding the book. This is what I'm looking for, like oh, selfies with the book.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> so okay. Yeah, why not? Why not yeah. go ahead and flaunt <laughs> yourself with the book and put it up there for the world to see. And I have a little hashtag, death at a seance, you know. Oh. But that's my, yeah, that's, that's my little publicity plug. That's really a, cute. Yeah, um,
1: yeah I then, thought so. It is. Um. So you also teach an online class called Magical Communication, How to Talk to Your Ancestors.
0: Yes, thank you for asking about that. I, you know, as I mentioned before, I, much of my life has been spent as a teacher of things. I, I taught uh, full time at Berkeley for 30 years, and now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of semi retired. I'm still there a little bit, but not that much. Uh, and before teaching at Berkeley, I taught at some other colleges. So um, I've always been a lifelong sort of teacher. And when I got interested in the whole um, spiritual thing and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to give people some easy to use techniques that pretty much anyone can do to be able to talk to their own ancestors. This is not a course of how to be a medium or how to get up on platform and give readings. This is not that. This is if you've experienced a personal loss, as we all have, of Mm -hmm. someone in your family, someone close to you, uh, that kind of thing, and you just would like to be able to communicate or receive a message from them, uh, some simple techniques. And it's a... it's a video course. You go at your own pace. I recorded maybe about 20 or 30 little videos uh, with different techniques to help you. I would say it probably takes about a month uh, to go through the class. You go at your own pace. Um, and it's available on Udemy, which is a um, teaching platform, Udemy, uh com and if you go in there and you type "magical communication," uh, my course will appear. And once again, it's a very reasonably priced. All the classes on Udemy are cheap. Uh, that I think the idea is to make learning accessible to people, so that it doesn't have to be a big deal, and you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. So this class is probably twenty. $20 or something like that. It might even be less. Um, but it's fun and it's easy, go at your own pace. And
1: that, as you say, it's called magical communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. So that's that's something people can ingest. That's nice. That's why that's nice you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. You're always thinking, Carolyn, I give you credit for that. You're always thinking. That's good. Yeah. Um, and also, exactly. you have this. You are, and you have this New Age talk show, right, called Psychic Playroom? Yes,
0: Carolyn Psychic Playroom. So yes. once a month, um, in the city where I live, which is Cambridge, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, um, okay. we have probably like most cities, we have a public access channel, you know, a TV channel
1: that mm-hmm. if you live mm-hmm. in the
0: city... You can have a program on there. And so I just went to them, and for some reason, they do not have any psychics on there. And I was like, well, you, you mean to say you don't have a psychic? Well, can I be a psychic on there? <laughs> they said yes. <laughs> uh, and so it once a month, it's a program where I um, go on and I interview. Usually I have one guest maybe yes, another medium or someone it could be you know anyone who's doing something interesting and creative usually it's some kind of spiritual thing
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: um i interview them and then i also take uh questions not live calls but i have people write in In advance, and I give a couple of readings. I do a couple of tarot uh, tarot readings uh, for people who have written in their question. It's just a half hour program once a week, or I'm sorry, once a month, and it comes on. um, It live streams uh, on the internet, so you can watch it, or you can. I also put it on YouTube. Uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, So if you go on YouTube and you look for Carolyn Wilkins, you'll see Carolyn's Psychic Playroom. Or if you, probably the easiest way to find it is to go to my website, website. Mm www.carolynwilkins.com. And uh, if you go under Carolyn's videos, uh, you'll see
1: all the old shows uh, on there. Interesting. um, I I did go on the website yesterday. I was looking at it. And when I was on the website, I saw where you did, you're doing uh, episodes on Robert P. Brown, which I had never known about him until I went on your website and started watching the episodes. I found it fascinating, and I think you should share with our audience tonight about Robert. Oh
0: well thank you. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. I um as you can see, I'm a curious person. I get curious about things and then I just want to find out more. And uh-huh. so what happened was I found out about this man uh who uh was one of the earliest um I guess you would call him sort of a metaphysical thinker,
1: you know, okay. sort of
0: um an African American and Mm -hmm. he wrote a book in 1918 called The Mystery of Space and in this book he talked about concepts and things that we think of now as being part of um, quantum physics. They're that progressive. They're that ahead of the curve and he also was very big into theosophy which was um sort of a religion that not really a religion i guess a philosophy that combined hinduism and uh, sort of christianity and modern scientific thinking is sort of a different sort of spiritual approach to things and he was very much interested in all these kinds of things and he wrote this amazing book called The Mystery of Space, and he wrote that in 1918 at a time when, you know, it was rare for an African-American person to even finish uh, beyond elementary school, let alone write Mm -hmm. a major metaphysical treatise at at, uh, this time in 1918. And then he, Robert T. Brown, went on to have this amazing career Uh, both as a spiritual teacher, um, as a social activist, and then later he moved to the Philippines. And in World War II, he was uh, uh, interned in the Philippines by the Japanese. He spent three years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. I mean, he just had an incredible life and, and that he survived all these things. And wrote several me- metaphysical books, and founded his own spiritual group. He traveled to the Dominican Republic uh, way back in 1946 after the war. He traveled to the Dominican Republic and founded his own spiritual group there, and also in New York City. And that those groups remain active. this day so he's just a very interesting charismatic figure and so I was just kind of digging around and poking around and researching to try to find out what I could find out about him because I just found him so interesting and eventually uh, I had first thought oh I would write a book about him but there was just there were just too many gaps in his mm-hmm. life and things where I just couldn't get, you know how it is, you're a researcher, you understand, yeah. sometimes you just hit a blank wall, and you can't find out enough to, to put it into a book. But I thought it would be fun to make a series of videos uh, to tell what I could find out about his life and times. Because he lived through amazing times, two world wars, and in between, uh, writing all these books, and he knew all these major figures in history. And yeah, so um, if you go to my website, once again, that's in Carolyn's videos, um, The Mystery of Robert T. Brown um, is a series, I think there are four videos that I put together to just kind of tell his life story and with a few pictures and just so you can get a
1: flavor for the guy. I, I, um, I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> like I said, I didn't know much about him, but I knew, um, uh, Madam B I call him Madam B she knew because she, well, she started that with uh lead the where he went into. Right? Yeah. Uh, Yes, which was let better and her. They they actually were spiritualists, and then they they got, you know, disenchanted with the thing. They wanted to go a different direction is what happened, so that's what they They, did. They
0: built their own thing, exactly.
1: They they built their own thing. Mm -hmm. And
0: all of these people, I'm always struck by how powerful all these people were, just powerful personalities Yes. Really strong personalities, really individualistic kind of people. Um mm-hmm. And whether you agree with them or you don't agree, you just have to say, wow, that's a powerful person right there. You know, that's not just go along with the crowd kind of person. No. Um, yeah. yeah. That was interesting. Amazing. Interesting. It is, Yeah,
1: yeah. It is. I yeah. didn't know if you knew yeah. that uh, Ledbetter started that with her too, but he did. Mm-hmm. They were in it together. So, um, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I I let me think. I think about three weeks ago we went and saw, saw the movie um, Harriet, and I was really mm-hmm. surprised. And I never knew this that they brought it out in a film, and I wanted your take on it that she definitely had visions and I never knew that.
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, I had read because I'd read a little bit about her and there's a lovely Mm -hmm. um, uh, book. uh, There's a couple of books, you know, kind of biographies of her and they would mention the visions, but then, in the form of kind of the typical way of many sort of more materialist approach to history, they would sort of discount them and go more in a different direction. And what I liked about the movie was that they moved her visions into the center of how she made her decisions and things. And I think That that, I mean, of course, I wasn't there. I can't say for sure. But it makes sense to me that she was this extremely uh, religious person with a deep Mm -hmm. personal connection to God, she felt, and that God spoke to her. And she would always talk about it. And uh, it wasn't just metaphoric language, I think, that, that she had that psychic aspect that enabled her to because when you read about all her accomplishments and all the many times she went down south and brought slaves out uh, in the most difficult of circumstances um, when you know uh, it, it just was almost crazy like how would you even it be foolhardy to try to do that and how did she not get caught and Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, but she had a she had a sixth sense about when to move, when not to move, when to go, when to stay. All of these kinds of things,
1: uh, a connect, a spirit connection. We would say, I yeah, I was really surprised. Like I said, after I saw the movie, it was. They said, they thought it was due to remember, she had that head injury, and they were trying to think that that might be a reason why yes. she was born too. Yes. And it might be,
0: you know, but I mean that's I also know. the way people tend to discount
1: spiritual I know. things.
0: You know what but I
1: mean? Yeah. They discount I do. it,
0: they can't explain it, so they go, Well, she must have hit her head. Well, I mean she did hit her head, but mm-hmm. quite also it's very likely that we would say as mediums she was being guided,
1: you know. Yes.
0: And she's Especially tuned into part.
1: guidance. Yes, well, and and the part I liked too was when she took them across the river. Remember, and right. some of those people could swim, or I don't know. It was just I I found it fascinating actually. I did totally I
0: fascinating, have. and I was really happy in the movie that they allowed the spiritual and her spirituality to come out more. I mean. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought the movie was really good, by the way. I, thought I really it was, I enjoyed wanted to it. get
1: your take on it to see what you thought. I thought it was mm-hmm. personal. I did. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't know if somebody wants to ask a question, but let me see if they do, and then we'll see where we go with that. Hold on a second. Welcome to the Truth Seeker Show. Would you like to ask Carolina a question tonight? uh yes, I would okay um am, so yeah, am I on yet you're on uh, okay, I would like to know uh I put in a bid for a home. I'd like to know if you see me getting the home, oh,
0: like doing a reading. Oh uh, yeah, my gosh. We I have, degrees,
1: but go ahead.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. I have to tell you that in this moment, um right. it's a really interesting thing, but my head is in a completely different space. I'm not in the reading space. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not in the psychic space. I'm in the answering questions and doing an interview space, which is a little bit of a different headset. And what I will say to you is that um, if you would like to uh, email your question, I have my TV show, which I'm going to do on Thursday, and I will be doing psychic readings on there. And if you want me to ask the tarot uh, about your question on Thursday, if you email me uh, at... um, uh, I can get, you can get my email address from uh, after the after the show, right? You could give her my email address, right? Well,
1: I can give her the website of that. You want to give her the website? Perfect. How's that? Thank yes. you so
0: much. Give her the website. If you go to my website and you email me, because uh, I'm looking for people, I usually do maybe two or three readings. So mm-hmm. if you do that, um And it just so happens that on Thursday, I'll be doing a TV show. I do a very quick uh, tarot reading, open up the deck and look. But unfortunately for you in this moment, my head is utterly not in the reading space. So from where I am, I can't see diddle squat. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, so you know, I understand. I- Okay, I'm going to give you the website. Do you want to write it down? Yes, please. Okay. It's www.carolynwilkins.com. carolynwilkins.com. That's it. Okay, great. Thank you so, so much. Thank you I for appreciate it. it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We gotta know. Hold on. Hello. Hi. Welcome Hi. to the True Seeker Show. What what made we help you with tonight? I wanted to ask Carolyn if her uh people in her uh novels came to her uh mutimistically or intuitively.
0: Oh great question. Is this Lorna? I think it is.
1: Yes, it I is. think it is oh, I will. Love
0: you, baby. Thank you so oh, much for you? listening.
1: Well, oh, I'll enjoy the, the program.
0: Thank you for calling oh, you're in, such a sweetie. All right. So the short answer to that is that um, the central character in the book, who is Carrie, um, that is actually the name of my. I want to say it's my three times great-grandmother, great-great-great-grandmother. And she, when she was a young girl, had a couple of experiences similar. I don't want to give away my story, but she had a couple of experiences similar to the character in the, in the book. And so she... Started off as a real person, but uh, because it happened so long ago and because I do not know any of the details really and can't find them out from this long date away in history, um, I just uh, allowed my intuition to fill in what might have been. And then I also additionally made her a psychic. Now, I don't know whether she was a psychic in real life. Um, Most of my psychic ability comes from the other side of the family because I know for sure that my great-grandmother and my, you know, those people had the psychic from my mother's side. Uh, So the answer is um, she started as a real person, but quickly the intuition filled in a lot. And uh, there's another character in the story who is a real person based on a real person. But once again, as you may know, if you, if you do fiction at all, once you, 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 you they start as a real person, but they quickly become something else because they develop a life of their own and the intuition does take over.
1: I think that answered the question. I did. Um, I have to say that, you know, I do the blogs once a week. And and, um, when I was doing this one blog, I didn't know you were interested in this one, um, this uh, spiritualist as well, this Harriet Wilson. And um, Mm. I'd like you to talk a little bit about Harriet Wilson, if you could.
0: Oh, sure. Um, So, Yes, I became interested in Harriet Wilson because, um, first of all, she was based in Boston, right where I live, and um, she had written uh, what turned out to be one of the first uh, novels ever written by an African-American woman. uh, and published. I think, you know, people may have written stuff, but she actually published it. And she wrote this novel and she was famous as the author of a novel or what's famous, but you know what I mean, in those mm-hmm. panels mm-hmm. of history and black history, she was known as that. And, and then it wasn't until many years later that someone did some further research and found that After she finished writing the book, she went on to have a career as a trance medium, and she lived Mm -hmm. in the Boston area, and she appeared on platforms. She spoke to big crowds. Uh, She at one time shared the stage with the famous uh, Victoria Woodhull,
1: um, who was a
0: famous, famous, famous spiritualist, and... um, She was, you know, uh, she was well enough known that she was written about several times in the Banner of Light, which is the spiritualist Mm -hmm. newspaper that was based here in Boston. And she was not known, uh, in other words, it took a long time before anyone actually connected up the fact that the author of this book, which is an autobiographical book about a woman who just had a terrible childhood and was treated terribly as a servant working for these, this wealthy white family. But when the book ends, she's still a relatively young woman. Lo and behold, the real Harriet Wilson, her life had a whole other chapter after the book ended, and she went into spiritualism, and in between those two things, she also invented some kind of hair tonic or hair straightener, or you know we women we love our hair stuff she invented some kind of hair stuff that she was marketing um and she also in other words had a had a had a career as a as a business person as well and then uh, she became a trance medium and trance healer, and um, she traveled all over the uh, New England area, uh, giving speeches and doing healings and things like that. She saw clients in her home right here in Boston, um, and you know Boston is such a history kind of town. Anyway, yeah, I love it. Uh, you can I love still, yes, if you mm-hmm. like history, you like yeah, Boston, yeah. but. You can still walk the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of it has changed, obviously, since 18, you know, the late 1800s when she was living. But there are things that remain the same. And, um, yeah, so she had a very interesting life. And I just did a very, um, and this goes back to Lorna, bless her heart. And I will give a shout-out to Lorna Hines, uh, who is a fabulous medium and expert of um, all things mediumship in her own right. If she hasn't been on your program yet, she should be. Um, But Lorna had asked me to, to give a little talk about Harriet Wilson. For We have a group called Mediums of African Ancestry, and Lorna Mm -hmm. asked me if I would uh, talk about her a little bit. And I don't by any means pretend to be an expert on it. I just delved a little. I read a few books and um, stuff, but I did find her very inspiring because, um, as you know, As spiritual, as in the spiritualist church per se, you don't find a whole lot of African Americans. Um, And she uh, was back at the very kind of beginnings of the beginnings, you know, like 1870, 1880, uh, that kind of time frame. And so I found it inspiring to know that, in fact, uh, in the earlier days of the spiritualist church and spiritualist movement here in Boston, um, that she uh, was, in fact, present, an African-American woman doing important things. She ran one of the first uh, lyceums, you know, the Sunday school. The Lyceum, yeah. She she yeah, she she was involved in a lot of uh, important things. Um you know, so that was that was kind of nice. So that's Harriet Wilson,
1: yeah. Yes, and and that's what Lorna told me that you um, you know talked about her. I didn't even know that we did a a blog on her. See, this is how we met. See, that's nice. Hold on a second. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, I guess they. OK. Well, I, I think it's it's wonderful about, you know, um, that the African-American spiritualists, you know, they had their, their trials and tribulations as well. And I I just like to say that, you know, um, they just had to fight for a lot of things. And I, I they yeah, were courageous back then. They really were courageous because. You know, because of the Jim Crow they had to, you know, start their own churches. and, yep. You know, and I find them yep. to be very courageous in doing that. They started the Colorado Spiritual mm-hmm. Association of Churches. I'm sure you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that yes. very courageous that, you know, that they did that. And I just didn't want to do a plug if people don't know um, this mother, Leafy Anderson, um, she did that. And I just think that that was a wonderful thing she did. Yes, yes. And
0: there was a whole period around the 1920s uh, when things were being coming segregated all over the country. And things that had just been kind of both black and white together, there was a movement on the white side to say, no, we want the blacks could be in their own thing and we don't want them in our thing and that happened in uh all of the mainline Protestant churches yes. they all you know there were black methodist churches only for blacks there were black all, uh baptists had their own separate each church had their own separate all segregated separate. Denomination and the spiritualist church did that as well. And, um, Leafy, from my understanding, she had been involved right in the spiritualist church, but when they began to be more exclusive in their policy, Mm -hmm. she decided, Well, later for this,
1: I'm gonna go and found my own church, and she did, which she she did did. find it. She mm-hmm. did.
0: And yep. to me, that yep. was
1: a courageous thing to do back then. I, I'm Absolutely. All, I'm I thought it was very courageous of her, and I couldn't mm-hmm. take my hat off to her for that. And she she yep. had to be a woman of uh, great uh, strength to do that. Don't you think, Carolyn? I think so. Absolutely. Get
0: anybody who can go and found a church, that is not a small thing to do. That's a major thing to do. Thank you, because I founded my church. Thank you. Yes, I know. And, <laughs> and, and as you know, it's more than a notion to found a church, to find the money, yeah. to keep it running, mm-hmm. to take care of your
1: members, to serve your community. It's a big, big job. Well, I love it. I love what I do. And I certainly know you love what you do. Um, I do. Is there any- Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience tonight that we didn't talk about? Because this is your show, so go ahead.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. First of all, I would just like to thank you for having had me on the show uh, and and allowed me this wonderful platform to talk about the different things I do. And I guess the one thing I would like just to – uh reach out to your listeners is just that uh, I do have this book, which okay. is a fun book it's a murder mystery it's fun mm-hmm. it's got history, but it's not a a tome it's uh definitely entertainment um and if you enjoy a uh, kind of a story that has some spiritualism in it but also has adventure and uh, some fun plot twists and a little touch of romance, uh, I think that you will enjoy uh, Death at a Seance. And as I say, it's available on Amazon.com. If you type in Death at a Seance, Carolyn Wilkins, you will find it. And if you're interested in finding out more about me, I do do readings, um, psychic readings, mediumship readings. And uh, if you want to find out about my other books or about my um, course, Magical Communication, or about my music, I have CDs also of my piano music. Uh, if you go to my website, www.carolinwilkins.com you will find
1: everything you're looking for. Okay, Um. there's a, let me do the, there's a two callers, I think we answered them, but I want to see if they have anything else that they want to ask you before we hang on. Okay. Hi, is there anything else that you would like to ask, Caroline? Um. What do you, I'm the listener. Okay, I know. I just want to make sure because we're going to end the, the show, but thank you very much for you participating. You like a psychic question? No, no, no. No, she's not in that that mode right now. But thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Okay, and I have one more question for you. How's that? The question is. Great. Uh The one question that I like to ask my guests is, Mm -hmm. when you look back on your life, who inspired you the most? Gosh, boy, that's a big one.
0: Uh, I've been blessed to have so many wonderful mentors. Um, But I guess I would have to go all the way back as a kid and say probably my parents, you know, because not that they were um, into spiritualism or psychic things or anything like that, but they always taught me that... um, I could do anything that I really set my mind to do. And they really supported me when I wanted to be a musician. They supported me when I started writing books. They supported me. Bless their hearts. They come to all my concerts and they come. They always uh, showed me the love and the support. Um, that I think is necessary for success in any field, so I feel very blessed about that,
1: or well, they didn't want to put you up with you Aww. <laughs> so I just want to say that, and I want to thank you again for um, spending time with us and um i just uh, I just found it fascinating tonight that we talked. And I want to thank you again for being on the show. Oh well
0: gosh, thank you. This has been just wonderful, and you're a great and
1: gracious host.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Take care. And I just all want right. to say bye-bye. to, to bye bye. And I just want to say to all the truth seekers around the globe, thank you for tuning in. And until we meet again, may you be the light that helps others see.